Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each of us. Peace be with you. Friends, today is New Year's Day, but on the church's calendar, it's the Solemnity of Mary, the Mother of God. And we have today a terrific passage from the Gospel of Luke. I want to highlight just three words from this gospel. Each one says something essential about the spiritual life. The three words are haste, astonished, and treasured. Haste, astonished, and treasured. We hear first, the shepherds went in haste to Bethlehem and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. They heard a message from the angels and they went quickly to do what the angels told them to do. This of course echoes something a little bit earlier in Luke's Gospel. Mary receives the annunciation from the angel and then it says she went in haste to the hill country. This is basic to the Bible. Once you know what it is that God wants you to do, once you've received that vocation, once the heavens have opened and God's will for you becomes clear, then you must act. One of the central tragedies in the spiritual life is we know what God wants and we don't do it. We know what God wants, but we procrastinate, we dawdle, we make excuses. All the great biblical figures were sent. I've said that to you very often. In the Bible, no one receives a vision of God without at the same time being sent, being given a mission. At their best, Abraham, Moses, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Peter, Paul, all the rest of them, they go, they move, they act. Mary goes in haste. The shepherds go in haste once they know what God wants them to do. John Henry Newman said, We've all been created for some definite purpose. It's true, isn't it? If we believe that God, the infinite mind of God, has brought us into being, that is not a dumb event. That's not a meaningless event. Rather, our very existence is the result of God's intention. God wants to accomplish something with us, through us. It's called vocation. And there's no question more important in your life than the determination of this vocation. But once you know it, once you see, go, move, act. They went in haste. The second word I want to reflect on astonished. Here's what it says. All were astonished by what the shepherds told them. Of course it's true that we find God in ordinary things, ordinary events. Of course it's wrong for a Christian to expect amazing, spectacular things every day in the spiritual life. No, no, you find God in the ordinary run of things. You find God in your family, 
find God in your work, your friendships, your relationships, you find God in the beauty of nature, sure, all that's right and true. But, Christians, Christianity is not simply a natural religion. What I mean is, we're not simply a generic spirituality. So all spiritual people would say in common, yes, I find the sacred, I find the holy, I find God in the ordinary run of things. Well, so do we. But there's a difference. Christianity is a revealed religion. At the very heart of Revelation are certain events, certain extraordinary things that God has done. God chose Abraham, called him, and from that choice flows the whole history of Israel. God chooses Moses and sends him on the definite mission to liberate his people. God brings the Israelites miraculously out of Egypt. God summons the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and the rest. And above all, God becomes in Jesus Christ one of us. That's not the ordinary run of things. Not something that anyone could see. That is an extraordinary revelation of God. God, as it were, breaking into history, breaking into our ordinary experience, and astonishing us that God, the infinite creator of all things, God, the supreme mind that stands behind the entire cosmos, God who fashions everything that exists, should become this tiny, helpless child. If you don't find that astonishing, you're not paying attention. And then the great event of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, which nobody expected. They had no category for it. It was an inrushing, in-breaking event utterly novel, and they were, and you can sense it on every page of the New Testament, they were astonished by it. Read that account of Pentecost morning. The disciples preaching in this ecstatic way, the people around them thought they were drunk. That's how astounded they were, astonished by what God had done. Our faith depends upon these astonishing things. And part of the spiritual life is paying close enough attention to them to catch their power. I love this from um, G.K. Chesterton. He's reflecting on the statues of the saints outside of Chartres Cathedral. And of course, Chartres, as you know, is one of my favorite places in the world, one of the most beautiful treasure houses of Christian art anywhere in the world. But you look at the statues that surround Chartres, and Chesterton noticed something. Their eyes are wide open. They're not closing their eyes in contemplative prayer. They're looking out at something amazing. And what he says is, this is the astonishment that seizes every Christian. So we, like the shepherds, we, like those who heard the shepherds, we, like the first Christian preachers on Pentecost morning have our eyes wide open in wonder at what God has done. We're astonished by it. This makes evangelization possible, of course. 
Why would you bother announcing something unless you found it pretty amazing? If it was just the ordinary run of things, what anyone could see easily enough, why would you bother announcing it? We announce Jesus Christ, Son of God, risen from the dead, because we've been amazed by Him. Maybe some of our problem with evangelization is we've lost astonishment. Haste, astonished, the third word now, treasured. Luke tells us, Mary treasured these things and reflected on them in her heart. We know that Mary went in haste. We know that Mary, once she knew her mission, she did it without hesitation, without question, without doubt. She moved, she acted. We know more to it that Mary was astonished by the things that happened around her and to her through God's grace. But then Mary took a third step. She treasured these things in her heart. What does that mean? It means in the quiet of her mind, the quiet of her heart, in contemplation, she turned over these events. All that the angels said to her, all that happened to her, the birth of Jesus, the message of the angels, all these extraordinary things. She took them in, turned them over, sought out their causes, saw all of their implications, saw how they related to each other, began to reflect upon them in light of the Hebrew Scriptures. Mary becomes here the model of all theologians. John Henry Newman said that. Mary is the model of theology because theology is nothing but this act of turning over in the heart of the church the astounding things that God has done. Why'd she do it? When someone loves Shakespeare, she'll read Hamlet over and over and over again. Hamlet is properly inexhaustible. No matter how many times you read it, no matter how many times you see a production of it, something new opens up. One of the signs of tawdry, superficial art is you can take it in very easily. Great art, like Hamlet, is something which speaks to you over and again. As you grow older, you begin to see new things. The play washes over you in ever new ways. You contemplate it. Someone that loves music will listen all his life to Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. You've taken in its basic structure, you know its basic melodies, but then over and again you listen, and new dimensions of it open up. And as you grow older, as your life experience deepens and lengthens, that peace becomes more powerful to you because you treasure it in your heart. Someone who contemplates a baseball game effectively does the same thing. Someone who knows baseball in a very superficial way will get bored by it. But you know the game. You've allowed that game to wash over you for your whole life. You see all the ins and outs, all the implications, all that can go on in the baseball field. You find it delightful to treasure the game. So Mary treasures not just a drama, not just a symphony, not just a game. What Mary treasures is the greatest drama of all time. What Mary treasures is the astonishing fact that God has become, through her fiat, 
through her acquiescence, God has become one of us. Here she becomes the model now for all of us. And that's why it's so important during this Christmas season, the great events have been remembered by the church, but now like Mary, we think about them, pray over them, contemplate them, meditate them. Can I challenge you during this season? Spend a little time. I know our schedules are very hectic. We're all very busy, active people. But stand here now in the attitude of Mary and allow these things to move more deeply into your heart. Think of Augustine, Aquinas, Bonaventure, John Henry Newman, John of the Cross, Teresa of Avila, John Paul II. These are all, in this sense, very Marian figures. Follow their mission, yes, astonished by what God has done, but also willing now to let these great events wash over them. They contemplate them. So, know your mission. I'm not sure exactly what yours is. It's something like this, though. It's incarnating God's love in the world. I know that. The particular form, that's between you and God. But when you discern it, don't hesitate. Don't dawdle. Don't ask questions. But like these shepherds, go in haste. Be properly astonished by what God has done in Jesus Christ and in your life. Then take the time, especially now in this season, to assume the stance of Mary, the attitude of Mary, and treasure these great truths in your heart. These three words can help you deepen your spiritual life. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.